Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, today we're talking about travel frustration in midlife. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle, with over a million downloads and counting. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor, and I am so glad to be here with you again. And as I say this just now, it couldn't be more true because for a variety of reasons, it just took me 31 hours to return home after a weekend trip that should have taken way less, way less time than that. I'll tell you more about that in a couple of minutes. Okay, but just quick, I want to tell you two things, two important things. First, I want to make sure that you know about the new opportunity I have for you with my new sister podcast called Women in the Middle Entrepreneurs, and I'm currently looking for guests. So if you're a woman in the middle who's 50 plus and also an entrepreneur or business owner who's actively dealing with classic midlife-related obstacles and challenges while you're trying to run your business, This new podcast is especially for you. If you're interested in learning more about how to be a guest, head over to www.midlifeinterviews.com and apply. There's lots more information there so you can see if you're a good fit for this show. And the second thing is, I'm not sure if you heard, but I'm turning 60 in July 2023. And that, my friends, is a huge fun opportunity to celebrate. You will be hearing much more about this soon because it could really affect you directly especially if you've been on the fence about working together with either coaching with me privately or joining the Women in the Middle Academy. If you know I'm talking to you right now, please don't delay. Get your name in my calendar now and sign up for a free momentum call. There will be a bonus bonanza type of thing going on that will put a smile on your face. There's also going to be some other special things too. So stay tuned and get ready to put yourself first. The time couldn't be better, that's for sure. Okay, now let's dive into this episode. As I mentioned, today we're going to be talking about travel frustration in midlife. And wow, did I just experience a big batch of it, which I'll explain more in a minute. So I wanted to open up the whole can of worms to get you thinking a bit more about your experience with travel frustration. So here's what happened to me in the nutshell. This past weekend, I went to an out-of-town event, and there were no direct flights, so I had to fly through Atlanta. Connections are not fun, (laughs) as I'm sure you know, but sometimes you just can't help it. Uh, I just didn't want it to be what happened to me in Chicago a couple years ago, where I had to run so hard, (laughs) and me running fast is comical, plus I had a computer bag that was not on wheels. Fortunately, I was with... um a friend of mine, Martha, who was able to run and she ran. She had longer legs and more fit. She was able to run and she got, um, she got the airline to hold the door open for me, who it felt like compared to her, like I was waddling. <laughs> I was running, but it really didn't look like running. Anyway, um, I just didn't want that to happen. I didn't really know how big Atlanta was, how big the airport was, how how far away the terminals were, all of that stuff. So anyway, that's where I ended up booking. And I was a little concerned about it, but 
I proceeded. So that's what happened. The flight down was at the crack of dawn, 6.15 a.m. Um, I chose it for a variety of reasons that I don't need to go into now. But <laughs> overall, other than getting up that early, it, it was pretty good. Uh, it was very smooth. I would say easy peasy, no problems. I was happy. And I did something I've never done before, too. I didn't check my suitcase. And I managed to pack everything in a carry-on suitcase. How about that? Pretty good, right? I've never been able to do that before. But I did find a suitcase at Costco that just made it so much easier. It's kind of like it felt like a big suitcase. It had a center thingy in there that you'd zip and it had some pockets in it, but it really kept the two sections very separate. And that, I don't know, maybe that was mindset, but I think it was more than mindset. I <laughs> think like really helped um, just make packing easier. So I was able to do it and it was a little complicated. My tote bag was a little bigger than normal, um, but it was okay. It still fit under the seat, but it was heavy. And I was schlepping my vintage mic. Like I had a photo shoot lined up at this event. It was an opportunity. So I lined up a photo shoot and I had to bring some props. And one of the props I wanted to bring was this vintage mic that I found last year. And you may recall, I have talked about it. And I don't know how often it showed up in a photograph, but now it will show up in a few more pictures. So I had this big bag and I had my cute little uh, suitcase. And that was on wheels and I could strap on the bag and it was all okay. So I knew that if I had to run, at least my suitcase situation would be easy uh, because it had wheels and it was brand new. Anyway, yada, yada, yada. That's what was happening. So the weekend went really well. It was a lot of fun. Like I hung out with amazing people. There was tons of inspiration and the content was great and the extra activities were great. The hotel was great. It was quite nice. I would say it was off the charts. Like it was really, really good. I loved all of it. And then when I was preparing to travel back, the fun, and that fun word is in quotes, <laughs> began. So you know it wasn't fun. First, I couldn't check in because my scanned passport info in the airline system said that I lived in the USA rather than Canada. And I couldn't change it. Like it wouldn't let me change it. And because of that, it kept asking me, when am I leaving Canada? As if I was like on a visa. So I was also worried about my connection. It was only 45 minutes in between flights. And as I mentioned, I didn't know how large this airport was. Sometimes you end up having to go to a completely other terminal or something that's like 50 gates away or worse. I don't know if you've ever had to run in these airports, but sometimes they're massive and you just don't know that amount of time. Is it going to be in the same like little section or are you going to have to really boot it? So 45 minutes had me concerned. Um, anyway, I didn't know where the gates would be. And I was definitely worried that I would have these two bags that weren't checked and I would miss my flight. So I spoke to the guy about that and I was assured there was enough time. He told me where the other gate was. It wasn't far away. He said, don't worry about it. Okay. So I'm in the waiting lounge and that's when the weather got crazy. And you know, when you're in those waiting lounges, there's lots of windows. You can really see weather and it got kind of crazy. It got really dark. You could see it blowing in and there was lots of thunder and lightning and our border, our boarding time was pushed back. So we we're going to sit there for a little while, which is fine. I don't want to go on an unsafe plane. I don't want to go out when there's crazy weather. It's fine. 
So eventually we got on the plane. And then when we were on the plane, Atlanta started to have bad weather. And we were like waiting 45 minutes. And then that turned into two hours. And now we were waiting on the tarmac. So the first we were waiting in the lounge. And then it looked like all's good, get in the plane. And then we were waiting for over three hours on the tarmac. And I have to say, everyone on the plane, staff and passengers, they were amazing and polite. I couldn't believe it. Like that's a situation where people can really start to lose it. Uh, And I was fine. The people around me were fine. It was just lovely. I think it was because we all had air conditioning (laughs) because it was over 90 degrees uh, outside and it was really tough. Like the weather, the temperature was quite hot. Anyway, so we're in the plane. People are nice. We have air conditioning, but we're very late. But we do finally leave. And then the weather in Atlanta started to get worse. So the pilot kept updating us with more delays. So it really wasn't looking good for that connection for me to come home to Toronto. I was assured again, they even had uh, the um, one of the airline people come when we before we left, he came on and anybody who wanted to ask him about their connections could. So he was actually on the plane answering questions. And I was assured again, don't worry, the airline will get you there on the next flight. And for me, that next flight was the last flight of the night. So I could feel it all becoming real. I was starting to worry. It wasn't like a freak out or anything like that. But I was just thinking, what's going to happen here? I'm either going to be sleeping at the airport or I'm going to be sleeping in Atlanta. But for sure, I'm not going to be sleeping in Toronto. (laughs) It was just kind of, hmm, I don't know how this is all going to go down. It was very frustrating to see what we saw when we got out of the airplane at the Atlanta airport. It was craziness. So we landed safe and sound, but when we walked into that building, it was like another world because everything on the plane was fine. And then it was chaos because the thing that hadn't occurred to me, I just thought it was one plane, my plane, my connection. But really, it, it happened to so many people and so many airlines. And I'm sure Atlanta wasn't the only airport that it happened to, but like it was a massive problem. Again, I don't live there. I don't know the size of the airport. I know it's a bigger one, but it was a massive problem. Like it felt like, like a New York City type of problem, like that scale. I don't know. But now I'm thinking, oh my God, things are definitely getting worse. So at this point, I noticed myself feeling overall a strange sense of calm. I wasn't panicky. I made a new friend. Alicia, while standing in the mile-long airplane info line, hoping for guidance or rebooking. So there was this massive line. I mean, it was shocking. When we were walking to get at the end of the line, we just kept walking, 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 way longer than I would ever imagine a line to be in an airport. And there was this info place that you could go to get rebooked. So we waited there for a while, and we were listening to the people around us, and we were trying to get a sense of what we should do. We were quite surprised that there was only this one place, this one counter to solve hundreds of people's problems. And then finally, the airport um, staff started to come down the line and they were telling us what to do, that there were there was more of these counters to talk to people. They were in different terminals. 
but only one of them was open all night. Everything else was closing at 11. And now I started to think, oh my God, like that's now basically, <laughs> like things are going to start shutting down and we're just starting to get our head around the problem. So it was interesting for me to watch that feeling state, to feel the feeling state, to notice my thoughts. And it wasn't a freak out, no panic yet. So my new friend Alicia and I walked to the side. We found a nice wall with an outlet, a two-prong outlet and a carpet. So we plopped down and we started to figure things out. And, you know, just charging your phone, like this, this whole thing, this whole travel thing had been going on for hours. So can you imagine trying to figure things out if your phone's dead? Hard, like it makes a hard situation even harder. So we were able to find an outlet. There were already, you know, maybe six or seven people who were clearly just going to sleep there. And then a, a guy came around vacuuming like around us. <laughs> we're just like, oh my God, what is going to happen tonight? So we were, you know, doing the things. We were on the app and we were trying to uh, do some messaging. There was a messaging bot that would give you a person eventually. And and then we were like, well, maybe we should look into hotels. So we started to figure that out. And one thing at a time, trying to call people on the helpline, trying to message, trying to decide, are we sleeping at the airport or are we leaving? It was all going on. There was a lot. And again, I noticed, hmm, this is interesting. I'm holding it together emotionally. Like this is a, this is a time where it's very easy not to be holding it together emotionally. Can you relate to this? So I wasn't angry. I wasn't panicked. But now I was definitely overwhelmed. I could tell I wasn't thinking really clearly. I wasn't quick. Um, I was definitely frustrated and I was tired. So Alicia, my new friend, was able to get through and she got an early flight early in the next morning. So that made it clear for her she's sleeping in the airport. Now, it sounded like I got a 5.15 p.m. flight um, through the texting person that I was talking to. So I decided to find a hotel. I'm like, you know what? I can sleep. I can have a slower morning. And then I'll just make my way over in the afternoon. Uh, so I booked a hotel online about midnight and I said my goodbyes to my new friend. We took a picture. <laughs> so cute. And headed out of the airport. So I had to leave my little safety base there and I headed out. Now it felt good. Like I thought, okay, this plan is good. I'm okay. This is actually a decent plan. I was even even thinking, oh my gosh, I could sleep a little bit in the morning. Um, but as I'm walking through this massive airport, it's I started to realize that, you know what? I didn't have a confirmation number for my flight. And then I'm like, uh-oh, maybe it's not real. Like maybe that didn't actually happen. Maybe I don't have a flight. Maybe that was just I'm going to get you started on the process to have this flight, but it definitely wasn't confirmed. But I did have a confirmation for my room. So I was thinking, I'll just sort it all out from the room. I'll be able to charge my phone. I'll be able to get in my pajamas. That's better. I will just sort it out there. So I was kind of like, you know what? This is really okay. <sighs> but then the next problem revealed itself quickly. It was a huge airport. I hadn't fully realized the scale of the delays and the misconnections, as I mentioned earlier. And this was all quite apparent in the taxi cab line and the hotel shuttle area. 
the lines and crowds were so long and so huge. I was shocked. I was shocked. Like it was definitely uh, an airport that was under stress at that point. Like I don't know how many people were affected by this bad weather, but it was far beyond anything I imagined. It took an hour and a half to get on an airport shuttle. And then when I got to the hotel, it was sold out, even though I had a confirmation. Wah, wah. <laughs> that was a bad moment. If I could have seen what I looked like in that moment, my face just dropped. It was 2 a.m. now. So something happened. I sat on a chair to try to collect my thoughts. There was a comfortable chair. It looked like the kind of chair that would be in a living room, like very comfortable. And I sat there and I sat next to somebody who looked very sad. Like she looked way worse than I was looking or feeling. And I started to see she's cracking. And I looked around and it was a very strange scenario in that uh, lobby of that hotel when so many people were being told, we're sold out, your confirmation means nothing. And it's two in the morning. And at that point, I assessed, wow, I really am doing okay. My phone still had a little bit of juice. And I'm not, I, I didn't think I was feeling as bad as some other people. Like I, I really was thinking I'm okay. So I met somebody in that lobby uh, oh, yeah, I forgot. The security guard came by and said, you guys have to leave. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, now what? I thought I would go back to the airport. Um, but I met somebody in the lobby who was very excited, and she had a little family with her, and she had just gotten a real reservation, a confirmation that there was actually space for her and her family, and she was going to leave. And as she was, like, hopping into the Uber, she quickly gave me the phone number of what hotel chain she called. And... I thought, okay, that was lucky. So I, I phoned and it took some time, but I spoke to a really nice guy and he found me something. And then I was skeptical. So I said, please, can you phone and check that this is real and that there's really a vacancy and a room with my name on it? And he did. He put me on hold, gave him my cell phone in case we got disconnected because I was nervous about that. And it was all good. He said, yep, it's all systems go. I was like, all right but now I needed an Uber. And I got really nervous. Typically, I love Uber. I would never take an Uber by myself, though, in a huge city that I wasn't familiar with in the middle of the night. So I really just had to think about it. I'm like, wow, okay, I'm going to read the reviews. I'm going to, how can I make this safer for me? And I'm looking around and everybody's taking Ubers. So I don't know. I don't know if you think that way about Uber, but like I, I'd never been there before. I didn't really have a good sense of where I was. And it was, um, you know, the middle of the night. It just seemed a little scary to me. So being a single woman at that point, but I'm like, you know what? This is what I need to do. <laughs> so I just said, I'm going to do this. And I just took all the Uber precautions when, um, he came and, I checked everything and there were tons of reviews and he was so seasoned and he had a ton of experience and everything was fine. But again, I'm just noticing my thoughts and I'm noticing when am I getting anxious? When am I getting nervous? When am I particularly calm? And not even that moment, I didn't freak out. 
I didn't freak out. And I was so grateful that this driver had a ton of reviews and had a ton of experience and great ratings. And that really eased my fear. So I get to the hotel and what do you know? Everything is clear. (laughs) I get a room. I have to tell you, the hotel wasn't great. It really wasn't great. But uh, one of the outlets worked and I was able to recharge my devices and get some sleep. I had to dust it a little bit (laughs) before I put my devices down on that little surface. Uh, But it had all the basics and it had one good outlet and the bed, the pillows were quite nice. And, you know, it was fine. So I could recharge and I could also recharge my devices and get some sleep because after all, it was after 3 a.m. So at this point, I'm still holding it together. I'm able to sleep um, and I check my texts from airline messaging service and there was a response. So I was able to sleep a couple hours, but I woke up to go to the bathroom or something and I checked. Uh, and there was a response there that said I could have, I could have a 10.15 a.m. flight. But I was sleeping and I didn't respond to it and I lost it. It wasn't there anymore. It was gone. And that, my friend, was the moment I personally lost it. <laughs> I was texting this airplane messaging thing. I was on hold for hours. I was paranoid I would miss the call, you know, so I was like carrying my phone around. I was so nervous. And, and that I just burst into tears. And it was such a big, ugly cleansing cry. Uh, it was about 11 o'clock th- uh, this morning, <laughs> the morning after the hotel. And it was a massive cry, like big giant sobs. I burst into tears, but I noticed it wasn't out of anger. It wasn't out of pity. It wasn't even out of sadness, but it was out of frustration. And the frustration wasn't that I was late. The frustration wasn't that I had to sleep in a hotel. The frustration was that I didn't see a clear path out of this mess. I knew who to call. I had the number. I knew how to use my airline app. I knew who to text. But I needed a person to help me solve this, and I couldn't get a hold of a person, a human. I could not talk to an actual living person. And that's what did it. I needed a person. Clearly, the strategies that were available to me easily weren't working. They weren't working, so I lost it. And as I was having my big cry, I carried my phone that was like I was on hold for over an hour. I carried it with me into the bathroom. I got some toilet paper because I couldn't find any tissue. (laughs) And I went back to my little desk area that I made out of a chair. And I continued to to cry and get it all out and wipe my face and this and that. And then, of course, the customer service rep picked up and he got me at my sobbing worst. I don't even know if he understood me. I was really crying. I was in a full-blown cry. Anyway, he was so nice and he fixed the problem. He fixed it. Like it took a little bit of time. I wasn't sure he could do it because everybody was rebooking flights. But he did it. So I was scheduled on a 225 flight that afternoon. And at the time of that call, the sobbing started around 11. So it was between 11 and 12. Uh, so now, of course, the flight was also delayed. <laughs> so I get to the airport and, and that flight was delayed, but not much, less than an hour. Uh, but at 7 p.m. tonight, I arrived home a mere 31 hours after I had started the process of getting out of Atlanta. 
getting out of the small town I was in, actually, just getting home from this event where I was. So I share this whole thing with you uh, to show you the power of mindfulness. Like, honestly, this was the worst travel experience of my life. It wasn't just the delay and it wasn't the hotel, but it was the time of day. It was the craziness of transportation, the extent of the problem at the airport, and really getting a confirmation of a hotel room and getting there and not having a room just when you think you figured it out. Like it was all of those things. And you know what? I was surrounded by people who had babies. I was surrounded by people in wheelchairs. Like I saw all of it. And there were people that had way more complicated things going on. So I know that. I know that. But I'm just sharing what was going on for me in my brain and how I noticed, honestly, the power of mindfulness. Things were a mess. And even though they were a mess, I could feel gratitude that I was safe. I was so grateful I had air conditioning, I can't even tell you. (laughs) The air conditioning situation was so good. And it was good in every, in all of the situations that I was in. And I'm honestly, if that would have been bad, that I know that would have made things so worse for me, way worse. So I could see myself thinking I could, you know, become, as they say, a watcher of my thoughts. I could see it. I could feel it. And I was definitely overwhelmed. And truth be told, I did want to be saved. I did call my husband when it first started. And I just said, I need help. I need you to find my travel insurance information like I couldn't find it at the moment. And I said, I need you to just look up a couple of hotels that are close by. And he did. And he did it very quickly. So that was great. But I definitely wanted to be saved. And it was harder being alone. It definitely was a little harder because I notice, I even remember in high school saying this when I was with a friend and we would get lost in the early days of being a, a driver, a young driver. And we didn't have GPS back then. And I remember always saying, especially with my friend Karen, because I did the most little things with her. But I would say, you know, as long as we have to get each other, we're fine. Like getting lost when you're alone is terrible. Getting lost when you're with a friend is fine. And I was feeling that a little bit. So the thing was, though, that I wasn't losing it with anger. I was frustrated. I was crying. Not the whole time, but that moment this morning at 11, (laughs) I did lose it. Um, But crying helped me. It just got it out. I just kept focusing on thinking that I could figure this out even when I realized I didn't really know how I was going to solve this, how was I going to get a human? I did not know. And I just kind of surrendered to that, that if it told me that I had to wait for an hour and 45 minutes, I'm going to wait an hour and 45 minutes. I'm in a hotel room with air conditioning and a power source. And you know what? That really calmed me down. So I waited (laughs) and I had all the things I needed. I even made a cup of coffee. I even went to the bathroom. I did all the things while I was waiting, but I did carry my phone around with me just in case. And that wouldn't have been my response a few years ago, like before I found all this work and I got a lot of coaching and I got a lot of training and now I have a lot of experience. I know so well that my urge to act out my frustration will likely make it worse for me. So I really want to ask you that. Can you relate to that? And I share this with you not to whine and complain, or like my mom says, not to piss and moan, (laughs) but just to remind you about the beauty of doing this work. 
My clients often describe it as a shift. They don't really understand how or when uh, they will apply all of the insights that they're learning about the power of awareness of their thinking, but they see time and time again that they actually practice and apply that power. Mindfulness becomes a way of life. You can always be more thoughtful, always be more aware, and you can always be more intentional about the emotional experience that you create for yourself. Believe me, I could have made myself way more miserable last night if I didn't have all this stuff dialed in, but I could really see that the outcome would have been worse for me. And that's what I really want you to think about. When have you totally lost it and the outcome, your emotional experience was worse as a result? That's what I'm talking about. Not when you lost it and you got what you wanted to make happen. Like if you, you know, something uh, happened and, and you got sold a product and they were giving you a hard time about a return and you had to really be firm, but you got what you wanted. That's not what I'm talking about. I, I mean, when you've really lost it and your emotional outcome was worse, the whole situation ended up being worse for you emotionally. So you really do have more control than you think about stuff like this. Now, I am super grateful for my new friend, Alicia. (laughs) She calmly suggested the strategic things I should be doing. She has way more travel experience than I did. She traveled for jobs and stuff. And um, I could see that she, I was just so thankful that she was, she had some insight. So she told me when it was a good time to text the airline bot and then the airline person. And when It was, you know what? It was a better idea to prioritize trying to speak to a live human on the customer service line. I wasn't clear about it, but she just really knew what to do. So even though I had to wait over an hour to talk to somebody, (laughs) I just made sure that I did that. Once I got that clarity from her, I did it because I'm like, hey, I have a plug. (laughs) I have a bathroom. I've got coffee. I've got all these things. It's okay. I can do it. I can do it. And it made it easier once I just like surrendered to it. I'm like, I'm going to talk to a human and this is how I'm going to do it. (laughs) So anyway, there you have it. It sucked. I'm exhausted. And I have a lot of admin to do to get some money back related to all the money I spent to deal with this, the cabs, the Uber, the food, the hotel room expenses, all of that. But overall, I'm good. I'm grateful. And in so many ways, I'm grounded. Okay, that's it for this episode. As you know, this podcast is all about how to love your life again after 50. It's really all about coaching you to be more intentional and to incorporate mindfulness just like this into your life as a regular practice. And mindfulness is the key ingredient to regret-proofing your life. This is how you put yourself on your agenda. Now, my focus as your midlife coach is to help you get unstuck, clear, and focused on your current values and priorities so you don't have regrets. You can absolutely create less busy, and more balance. But the bottom line is that you know you're meant for more and you don't want to waste valuable time. I get it. So if you're ready to make some important changes with what I'm thinking of as a new midlife operating system, so you can be way more clear about what you want and how to get there, I can help you create the success you're looking for. That's why I created the Women in the Middle Academy with you in mind, because it's a warm, supportive, and fun coaching community of like-minded women who grow forward together so you feel great about your future and you don't have regrets. So email me your questions and let's talk about it and see if it's good for you. Go ahead and book your free no obligation momentum call at www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. 
For show notes and links, head over to www.susierosenstein.com and click the podcast tab and look for episode 310. And if you're interested in applying to be a guest on the new podcast, Women in the Middle Entrepreneurs, head over to www.midlifeinterviews.com and apply. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for you to put yourself first one thought at a time. I'm Susie Rosenstein, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.